Radio, the podcast with Pastor Cass. Necessary conversations. What up, though? Justin Watson, my good brother. Aha, my man, my man, 100 grand. What's up? Man, pretty much everything. <laughs> what isn't up right now? Wow, 2020 is acting a fool. Lord have mercy. Yes, sir. Here we are uh, just a uh, few weeks after our last podcast and uh, just recently having done some stuff. It seems like the world is continuing to explode. Uh, this past Sunday, you pe- preached a very... Uh, pointed message and which we'll revisit some of the topics from it a little bit here and there but sure. you know for the most part folks we're just gonna have a conversation all that's going on today uh not sure when you're actually gonna listen to this podcast and when you're hearing it in your cars your homes your places of work even potentially but this is the day uh, where there we're shortly after uh the death of george floyd and uh all the different protests and things that have outflowed from that situation and went viral. So that being said, me and Pastor Dorian are just going to talk about it because it's everywhere. And we just did a conversation about Maude Aubrey. So this isn't going to be that. But we're really just going to kind of talk about a lot of the other factors. And if we revisit some things, that's just natural because it's, it's similar. But at the end of the day, this is a this has become different. And that's kind of where I wanted to start this conversation is... Mm-hmm. Because it's the same story, but it's not. Why was this one so explosive? Um, I, I'll be honest. I was impacted by, uh, and I don't know, this conversation will go wherever it goes. Justin and I normally do, you know, quite a bit of planning, you know, <laughs> yes. or at least strategizing the direction we want the conversation to at least initially take. But we just decided tonight we'll just start talking because, uh, what's happening is so heavy, but um, I, I was admittedly impacted completely differently mm-hmm. by this one, and I think the the video itself was very different than just about any other video mm-hmm. that we've seen. As brutal as a lot of the other videos have been, I think it was calmness mm-hmm. and the length mm. of it where for an extended period of time you could hear mm-hmm. this man you know saying he can't breathe calling for his mother tell us where I turned it off I, oh. it was sick I don't advise anybody if you haven't if you've been blessed to not have watched it I don't think it's necessary I just would suggest you not yep. but I think it was one of those things where it took so many of it. For me, it just laid bare the sickness of what's happening because so many other videos or instances were clouded either by the video being grainy and not clear, the how much activity, mm-hmm. you know, whether wrestling or fighting or, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the, how quick or how sharp the moment mm-hmm. was, you know, could provide a cover yeah. for the evil. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, there was no cover, right? He was already handcuffed and on his stomach. So there wasn't mm-hmm. a uh, a struggle, right? you know, um, there wasn't a split second decision. Mm-hmm. The way that the officer calmly, looked into the camera with his hand in his pocket Mm -hmm. 
and continued doing what he was doing, I think. I think it was that calculus that laid bare the evil, that this isn't just, you know, a police officer that's unduly or unnecessarily afraid for his life, which is, uh-huh. in essence, very racist, right, for you to just be scared for no reason. Right. But that we're not calling this. This isn't about fear. Right. This is an evil. Right. This isn't, you know, big black men that are that most people kind of get, mm-hmm. you know, why you would be scared of a black <laughs> man. Right. This wasn't that. This was evil laid bare. Yeah. Not racism. That that's my big thing. OK. It 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 went from like, I don't think racism is a good enough word to describe what we watched there. Right. You know, racism might keep you from hiring me. Yeah. That. That's a different kind of evil. I mean, did you see the look on his face? The officer's face? It was almost demonic to me. I caught that same feeling. It was demonic to me. Ice cold. It was demonic to me. And I think that was the the difference between Mm -hmm. this and and most other videos or instances. Is it laid bare? The evil that's at the heart of Mm -hmm. what happens to black people in this country. And it there was no cover for it and it wasn't about racism uh-huh. and a lot of these soft words or discrimination or fear. It was pure. Like you looked into the face of evil yeah. in that video. Okay. Okay. So, you know, that is what, you know, as we've seen has all of a sudden created this, uh, large amount of protesting mm-hmm. and people standing up for this situation and situations in general now. Sure. Um, and you see the protests have now escalated and mm-hmm. escalated into where they're now being clat- categorized as riots. Yeah. Um, I choose that word very lightly because I don't like the way it's being categorized. However, it is a lot of things going on. Yeah. Globally. Yeah. We've seen, uh, New Zealand, yeah. London, um, Italy, it's going on. And then obviously every four corner of this country mm-hmm. you think it was the evil that sparked that as well that's causing this uprise, or is it was it more of a enough's enough or again i think and this is just pure speculation i don't yeah. know what would have people in new zealand where there's really no black people <laughs> you know pour yeah. into the streets and and protest i think so I'm not claiming I have some great answer for mm-hmm. this. This is just me considering. I I don't think. I don't think most people are very comfortable mm-hmm. with that kind of open evil. We need, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like you need your pork chops smothered. Like you need your evil smothered in other things, uh, you know, to uh-huh, see uh-huh. it that bare. And I think what it did was. It took all of the things we've been saying. I don't think it's a mistake that with this COVID and quarantine going on, I think that plays a role. Okay. I think logically people weren't and aren't at work. You can go protest. Yeah. You know, Um, I think sitting at home and not easy. Like there isn't, there isn't a whole lot else going on in the world. Right. You know, just news wise, because things are so still, there's COVID and now there's this. There really isn't. Right. Right. Isn't much else going on in the world. 
right? Like this is a slow news time, yes. which is why news we're making up stories about COVID. You know, yeah. there was no sports to distract. There was no NBA finals to immediately cut to because that's normally how these things go, right? Right. You talk about the story, but then you have to get back to the other things that you would normally talk about. Mm-hmm. And there isn't anything. So I think that plays okay. a huge role in it. I think that Ahmad Avery, Breonna Taylor, yeah. you know, there's been these instances right back to back. Yeah, a lot closer to yeah. You know, that it wasn't once and then another year before somebody else. This is right. right back to back. These things are happening again in a very wide open news cycle. Oh, right, right. You know, again, I don't believe Ahmaud Avery gets as much airtime if it's not during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, black women, when they are victims of police violence, very seldom get the same kind of publicity that black men do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Breonna Taylor in Louisville, you know, that was the EMT, right? Yes, where they broke yes. in her home and yes. no knock warrant no and knock killed warrant. her. There's yes. no video of that. I do know video normally. Oh, is... they, there's <laughs> yeah. So they their cameras, their body cameras were either off or left and didn't. So they all got fired for that. Yep. And they're it's been a big problem because of that. Absolutely, That's you know. So, but the, again, normally the cases that have video associated with them, yeah, are the ones that capture. A lot mm-hmm. of news, but um, so I think that 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 there was a lot of issues right back to back created this. And then I, again, I don't think we can underestimate. Right. Like I said, the evil of that moment. But I think for so many people. When the, it was the covers were pulled back and they were able to connect the dots between the evil that they were watching on their screen to mm-hmm. the evil that is actually been beneath and behind all of the other things that have happened to black people. Yeah. Not just these murders. Mm-hmm. It's George Floyd. Oh, this is what you guys have been talking about. Mm. Like this is what black people have been referring to. Like you guys haven't been being overly dramatic. Uh-huh. It, it, it hasn't been a misunderstanding. There was an evil that would have them tackle Eric Garner that way. I think, uh-huh. I think it, allowed a lot of people to connect the dots and now see that that's the evil that's behind a lot of what ails or that drives racism in this country. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what everybody around the world can identify with. And I also think while I'm talking, I'm thinking things too. Yeah. I think policing practices. Yeah. Um, have are very questionable in a lot of corners of the earth and of course, or the world and and definitely here in the United States. I think that's why the protests are definitely multiracial. Mm-hmm. Um, the police as a whole, mm-hmm. like when you just see the kind of gear that they pulled out, you know, these is like, it's mm-hmm. amazing to me that these, these, that, you know, Schools don't have books and air conditioning and can't hardly get cleaned well. <laughs> and then our the local police can have more gear than most countries <laughs> army or military, right? Mm. Um, but I, I I you know, so I think our policing practices are definitely on trial just as much as our treatment of black people yeah. is on trial as well. 
Right, right. Because, uh, and I just confirmed it was the uh, police chief that they fired because that went so bad, and they let them get away with that there with Brianna. So, yeah, you mentioned the police practices. So, um, speaking of police practices, city of Minneapolis basically fired the four cops that were involved with it. Only so far to this point, I've arrested one, but the autopsy report. I don't know if you heard initially that. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis, the city said that he didn't die from asphyxiation. Yep. Since they've had a couple independent reports that said he is. Uh, do you think that's all just kind of tying into just fueling this fire? Absolutely. Or, yeah. Absolutely. I think I think everything about how Minneapolis handled this again laid bare what has been going on, right? So it it all lines up right it was just a brutal heartless mm. engagement it was mm-hmm. beyond heartless and if an instance that bad mm-hmm. they did not they did not immediately fire the officers no they did not immediately arrest or you say they haven't even arrested three the people start thinking if something this brutal you guys still fall right into your standard practices. <laughs> it was let's let the facts play out, right? Is yeah, yeah. And the, the so like all of these things played into why we are here. And I think no matter what happens and how bad the violence in this country gets, this all has to be laid at the feet of the Minneapolis mm-hmm. uh, so-called justice system how they handled it from top to bottom. So the police officer, of course, right. Starts it and his partners and the one standing there just nonchalantly letting this happen. He currently has some lawsuits against him. He's, the the, these are sick people, right? But they're caught on camera. And then the, um, chief of police, whatever sees this video and does not fire these men mm-hmm. and does not arrest them. Then the DA gets on television and says, we haven't arrested him because there's other evidence that this isn't what it seems or this might not. Like, dude, if you have any semblance of any kind of sense, you arrest those dudes. I don't care if you don't even plan on charging them or trying to convict them. You say, hey, fellas, if you like they didn't even the level of evil wouldn't have them irrational. Rationally, if you were trying to plot a scheme, you would have said, hey, fellas. I got to bring you in for a minute and let the heat. I mean, I've seen that on like a million cop shows, right? (laughs) A million things. Like I'm going to hit you up, call you and say, Hey fellas, you, we going to make this work. But so, so, so this doesn't get out of hand because that video was bad. Like, I don't even know what y'all was doing, but Hey, listen, I got your back. Right. The union not going to trip. They're not going to let us do, but I got to bring you in. Gotta put on. I gotta some bring sort of you show, in, right? right? But he not only didn't do that; he had such a disrespectful mm-hmm. press conference. People flood the streets, and then the police response to that with their riot gear, their tear gas, their rubber bullets right. on what had been peaceful protest up until that place. I don't think anybody on God's green earth could have handled that situation worse than the Minneapolis Police Department district attorney. You know, mm-hmm. chief of police, whoever else you want to name right. at every turn. And and again, to go back to the initial question is when people saw something that bad yeah. and then see you guys can fall rank and file still. Yeah. That that wasn't bad enough to get you to try to behave 
kind of morally. <laughs> kind of. Why would we ever trust anything else? Yeah. yeah that yeah, you're yeah. doing and and uh okay. So, you know, that being said, it's, you know, we can go roundabout about this level of evil. I want to ask um cuz we're here to help, right? Mhm. What are some tangible steps that you're thinking that like can be implemented and done within like communities, black, white, whatever, that how can we improve societally? So, sure, sure. So one of the things, and I was talking to my brother Andre um, about this yesterday. So even about this question is challenging. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying challenging because it's hard to answer. Mm-hmm. I say it's challenging because it's actually inappropriate right now. Okay. Okay. So do tell it's, it's, it's a sign that we have become, and this is again, how you look at and respond to and judge what's happening with the protesters and all of that. It says to me that some people would immediately talk about that's foolish. You need to start organizing or that we would talk about what do we need to do tangibly says that we have become very desensitized to black male death. Mm-hmm. So how brutal and gruesome that murder was. Let's look at it like this. If we had watched on video, a woman be brutally beaten and raped and the video came out, the immediate response to it wouldn't be, let's talk about voting and let's talk about community organizing mm-hmm. the sheer horror and how aghast we would be at what we just saw, you know, we wouldn't talk about politicians. Like it would, who, who would be, talk, nobody would be talking about organizing. Mm. We would be shocked and appalled at what we just saw. And if that woman happened to be standing in the middle of the street screaming, we would not be trying to dissect whether her response mm-hmm. to what just happened to her mm. was the right response. Like I, I struggle with immediately pulling what was a brutal demonic murder. I struggle with pulling it into the political. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I I struggle with that. Like I know it's necessary at some point, okay. but that tells me that we're just desensitized if that's our knee-jerk reaction. Because as soon as you pull this into the political, you turn this from a cold-hearted, brutal murder mm-hmm. of a human into something along the lines of tax distribution and zoning and things that are very important but mm-hmm. aren't the same as what we just saw on that video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I just like to me, that's one of the things that I struggle with, with a lot of people wanting to be sensible, yeah. wanting to be rational. Right. Hey, what we just saw wasn't sensible and it was not rational. Or like I said, the, the video of a woman being raped, I promise you, we wouldn't be talking about it would be a different conversation because y'all need to vote. We'd be like, that, that wouldn't be the only organization that would be happening is putting together the posse to go hunt down the dude that raped her. That would be the only organizing we would be to, honestly. Right. Now, eventually, we would need to make sure that we have laws around rape to make sure rapists are convicted and we have judges that will 
sentence them appropriately. But the immediate aftermath, the way the conversation switches, like this is a political mm-hmm. issue, I struggle with that. Okay. You know, a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's, you know. So I hear you and I, I see what you're saying, but I'm going to play the other side of that coin mm-hmm. just a little bit and yeah. say, I feel like that this is one of the first times in my lifetime I've ever seen this climate of such openness and a willingness to discuss that this is going on. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that the sheets were pulled back. Yeah. And it's almost like now is the time to quote unquote strike. The iron is hot. Yeah. I feel you. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And Mm -hmm. and you're 100% Mm -hmm. right. And you know, the whole world, is mm-hmm. watching. Yes. I do believe that we're protesting in New Zealand and London and France and all over the world because it is a moratorium on how people feel about America right now too. Okay. You know, everybody in the, most of the world isn't feeling that great about <laughs> the United States just in general. So like, I think that that's also, mm-hmm. you know, I think the rest of the world might've reacted differently to this if president Obama was still in, in the oval office. Right. So I do mm-hmm. think that that plays into it, but for, for the people, this to to your point that want to strike while the iron is hot and do want to organize and do want to develop campaigns around voting they actually do themselves a disservice by quickly turning this into that conversation you have mm-hmm. to do both at the same time that's why you can't call the people that want to continue to shout foolish because what they do is if i, I when i keep just hollering again to go back to the the woman you know, uh, that might be too harsh. I don't want to stay with the analogy of the 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 woman being raped. But because, um, again, if, if that was triggering to somebody that's had an experience like that, that's sure. listening, I, I, I apologize. It was not my intent. Yeah. But we were all triggered at the moment with what we mm. witnessed with George Floyd. But when we immediately move to these rational, logical conversations, we actually turn down the volume mm-hmm. ourselves unintentionally. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Like we have to keep shouting so people know the stakes of what they're getting ready to vote for. Mm-hmm. We have to keep shouting so we know how far the legislation really needs to go. If we calm down, then all of a sudden people can feel like they now all of a sudden politicians can do what politicians do and start trying to strike compromises. Mm. Right. Mm. Like I, so many people who are on the side of organizing yeah. are saying as if we need to stop the shouting right. so we can organize that rioting, yeah. that shouting doesn't do anything. Yes, it does. Let me tell you what it does. Okay. It sets the stakes for your discussion around uh-huh. your candidate. It's, it ensures that the context of the conversation you're having, that no candidate if if the world is on fire, there is uh, you you can't have a candidate try to run for office without having a plan for that. Uh-huh, if we uh-huh. turn that off, you can have a candidate that gets in and tries to say, "Hey, just vote for me because I'm not Donald Trump." Well, right. no, you also have to be able to stop the fires, uh-huh. right? So it 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 works in concert. So okay. I think the people and so many people who are huge fans of organizing and sending people to the ballot box. Mm-hmm. They demean the raw emotion in the street, but 
I'm telling you, they don't want to demean that. If okay. there was some legislation on the table to address this, if we had a sensible leader in in, in the White House, right? And that's the and that's the thing that people say. That's why you need to vote. But guess what? <laughs> the fires are going to send people to the ballot box. Like one of the reasons ah. we had Donald Trump is a certain level of apathy. The black vote didn't turn out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I um, I don't right. blame black people for Donald Trump, but if you turn out a higher percentage of black folks, you have a much higher likelihood that he's not your president. Right. The world wasn't on fire. Now, if the world's on fire and we're shouting, you guys are murderers, you might be telling us to shut up and go organize. No, you want somebody in the street shouting murder, murder, murder. So when you're going and having your conversations with politicians, mm-hmm. you can say, and you have leverage. Okay. This has created some leverage right, that right. I think people that are calling for organizing are will give away if mm-hmm. they're too quick to try to quell mm-hmm. so, yeah, the noise in the street. That's kind of what leads into another question I was going to mm-hmm. talk to you about with uh, the leverage and the yelling, the noise it's sure. created is um, the way that I have personally had uh, some of my white friends reach out to me about this um and i believe you said you had as well um any of those conversations and things that you think are creating uh pathways as well and helpful conversations absolutely like that absolutely i'm i'm gonna tell you there's something specific very different and again it's playing it out playing itself out in the demographics of the marches Mm -hmm. is it's gone from indifference from white people mm-hmm. to I'm sorry that's happening to you mm-hmm. you know from white people that were empathetic or sympathetic yeah they would be sorry that black people go through that right the conversations I've had behind this is I'm sorry what do I need to do mm-hmm. that I think is what's made this very different than any instance in time that in my lifetime right is these were always issues black people had to deal with. And the people that were at least sympathetic were sorry that we had to deal with it. You know what I mean? But they yeah. didn't necessarily feel a responsibility right. to do something. They might try to be different. Like, I'm not that way. Right. But the questions have been, what can I do? Because, again, I think most people aren't comfortable with being on the side of that kind of evil. Right. And that's one of the overriding things that some of my white friends have said to me is like, that's not me. And I feel like they're being, they feel like they're being portrayed as that same guy. One person actually said like, they're putting me in the same boat as Mm -hmm. that officer. And I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. They feel one, another said that they feel like they're being accused of being white as if it's uh, a bad thing. And I kind of said, well, that's welcome to being black. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like in those conversations, have you, do you feel like it's being able to move needles and do some things with, you know, your certain white friends? Yeah. So I've, yes. Right. Yes, I, absolutely. And obviously I don't, you know, I don't want you to expand too much into a private conversation. Yeah. Right? But yes, I think it, it, it is moving the needle because people don't want to be associated with that kind of evil. And right. here's, and this, again, this is my speculation, but one of the things that I think is how calm what happened was, I think a lot of 
a lot of white people mm-hmm. were like, that's actually me. Mm. Like, and I'm trying to think of the way to put it, right? That when you see police officers wrestling guns from people like you, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that that kind of passive standing by why a man is dying, that that's what white America has been doing while black people have been hollering, we can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And, and and so many white people may not have physically had their knee on the neck of a dying man, right. but they kept their knee, whether it was economically, mm-hmm. whether it was educationally, whether it was what p- politically mm-hmm. on the knee of a neck of people that were saying we can't, breathe and they realized that 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 officer wasn't wrestling he just wouldn't move right 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 and that so many white people just like you might not be coming to black people and hitting us over the head with batons but we are shouting in so many ways we can't breathe and that you didn't and wouldn't move all these years Mm -hmm. that's how you kill people that you don't have to be some brute all you have to do is not move and I think that's what's causing them to say, okay, maybe I need to move. Maybe I need to move to a different place because I, what we watched is if you're in a bad position that black people obviously are in, right. if all I have to do is not move. Because that, that officer sat there with his hands in his pockets. And, and I think subconsciously, I think there's a part of that uh-huh. that is resonating with people that if I ju- if I don't move, I could be killing people. Right. Or you could be one of the other three standing there holding the rest of his body down. And or with pushing your back everybody turned. back. You yeah. know, like with this nonchalant look like, you know, uh, nothing was happening. But I do feel like it's moving the needle because inherent in the question, what can I do? Yes. Man, that's a game changer. Yeah, yeah. Game changer. Even though um, I, I have told a lot of people close to me is don't let even well-meaning white people mm-hmm. put another burden on you mm-hmm. to be the one to tell them how to fix their a problem they created. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we've created a racist system that subjugates black people and can murder them in the street. We created this. Right. We do this behind closed doors. Now you tell me how to fix what we're doing. Okay. And it just becomes another burden on black people. Mm-hmm. To fix them and, and and all white people have to do is bring to the table this helpless, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and it becomes our job to bear the burden of of devising the solution, having the creative mind. And mm-hmm. and we're normally willing to bear that burden. That's why we always, what's your plan? What's your plan? Well, <laughs> listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's a part of this that white people need to have the plan. Yeah, because we're not in the rooms with them, right? We're right. not, we're not invited to the white people committee meetings, so they need <laughs> to figure that out to a degree. I think the right yeah. way is this is what I think I should do. What do you think of it? Okay, that's what I told people is the right way okay. they should go. Okay, now I'm I'm willing to educate. I can t- give you some resources and tell you what books you should read, what mm-hmm. articles you should read to understand. Because one of the things that blows my mind is how uneducated white people are about this yes that's the thing like zero clue and that's a privilege in of itself that you do not have to be educated in the things that are going on so Mm -hmm. first and foremost so you if you think that video was bad that's the really tough part about it if you think that video was bad 
Yeah. If you read and learn about what has been done to black people in this country and what's currently be, being done to them, trust me, you are only beginning to be appalled. Mm. So doing the work of saying you need to educate. If the first thing I need you to do mm-hmm. is to get educated. Right, right. That goes back to some of our other conversations, yeah. other things. Yeah. First thing I need you to do. That's at least this has been my advice. Yeah. Yeah. When I, what do you want me to do? I said, first and foremost, if you genuinely want to respect the plight of black people, you would uh-huh. become knowledgeable about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and trust me, you would understand our responses and why we say, yeah. And our do in our doing the things we're doing, because mm-hmm. I don't think you respect what's going on if you won't do the work of educating yourself about it more than watching the George Floyd video. Mm, okay. okay. And then secondly, I think the right way for this to work, Mr. or Mrs. friend, mm-hmm. coworker, is based upon your findings when you do this reading and what you know about how you and your friends and how your dad, mm-hmm. you know, and his buddies and your mom and her club, how they behave. W- what you know about the the makeup of the executive leadership team at your company right. and the hiring practices right. at your place of employment, what you know about the 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 entrance exam at your school mm-hmm. and at the college and the place that you work, based upon what you know about that system, you tell me what you're going to do. Bring it to me and I'll tell you what I think. You okay. tell me what you're going to say and I'll tell you if I think that's the right thing to say. Mm. Okay. You know, I, th- that to me is the way that I have been directing some of those conversations. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll probably take that advice because like I said, I have friends who are actively going back and forth with me and asking. Yeah. Education. Because you find I, out who is sincere about doing something yeah. and who just wants you to help them clear their conscience. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm number one, I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> no, I'm pastor? Not, no. Come on, pastor. No, I'm not. Absolve me. I'm not going to let somebody <laughs> use me to just make themselves feel better because I think that's what a lot of people are doing. Mm-hmm. Is they're calling us and texting us and yes. reaching out to us? Tell me how I can stop feeling as bad as I do. Oh, I, I start. I've started mine with a couple prefixes. You have to let me be frank and honest, and it might hurt your feelings. I'm not. I'm not getting ready to let you offload that onto me. Yeah. So uh, okay. Well, that's like I say. I, I like I say. I see. I feel like that's going on a lot, and we're seeing, you know, coincidentally, more of it. Like. You see or read stories on social media where um, uh, you've seen whites just walk up to black people in public and just publicly apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one follow your message from Sunday. There's one that went viral with a group of whites on their knees repenting. Yeah, I saw that, and it was like, man, did they do the live suggest, I suggest. I saw that. I suggest. Um, he's a pastor in the Chicago. In Chicago, his name is Daniel Hill. Mm-hmm. Um. He's written books on the subject of white privilege and things of that nature. He yesterday posted a video of him repenting. Okay. It's madness. It's crazy. Like, it's shocking. Really? Yes, I suggest anybody go check it out. Daniel Hill. Daniel Hill. He's a pastor in Chicago area. I'm trying to think of the name of his his church and the books he's written. Um... I want to say one might have been called White Awoke. <laughs> so, you know, instead of like Wide Awake. Yeah. You know, like White 
awake or something like that. Let me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but his repentance, man, it yeah. was like it was heavy, and it was almost like he had listened <laughs> to my Jump. to my message. Yeah, uh, on Sunday. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe he did, but I'm gonna go check it out myself. And while you're kind of just doubling back to check on that, um, like you were saying with a lot of the things that you have been advising your uh, white friends and things like that, I hope that the, our white listeners and our white parishioners that like can take that same advice. I know we have a few faithful ones and you know who you guys are. So this isn't about a black or white thing that we're talking about. This is about like this is about literally this is a time where we can really expose some evil like Pastor Dorian started with. Mm-hmm. And because it's, <laughs> and when I say it's not black or white, I don't mean skin color. I mean, it's not like, oh, okay, if you do this, it's that, like black or sure. white issues. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say yeah. this isn't a black or white issue. It's not a light switch. Yes. You know? This is hundreds of years of things that have been boiling up and boiling over. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not quick to say what way is the right way. Is it, you know, the people right, that want right. to protest peacefully, the ones that want to protest violently, the ones that don't want to protest at all and just want to organize, the one that just want to do mm-hmm. voter drives. Guess what? This has been a 400 year in the making mm-hmm. problem. It's going to take more than one methodology <laughs> to get it fixed. Yeah. So go okay. ahead, Justin. OK, so I and I have to kind of go out of because it was a con- a question I completely forgot that I have got to ask you mm-hmm. that I think, you know, we as a. Uh, Christian-based podcast have to address in this situation. Yeah. And that's with all the different protests going on with us um, being where we are. How do you think this relates to us as Christians? It's with this civil unrest. How do you feel with your opinion as far as the protests and should we participate? Should we be helping organize them? Like, what do you feel as far as the protests as far as a Christianic standpoint? I don't think that so I don't think there's that there's any question that I taught Bible study on it tonight. Okay. That there's any way that you can make a case that Christians shouldn't be involved in the pursuit of justice. Okay. I don't think there's any way that you can, you know, Micah chapter number six mm-hmm. is that what does God require of us? That's to do justice, love mercy. And walk humbly before your God. Like that's that's what we're supposed to do. So mm-hmm. the Christians have to be actively involved in the pursuit of justice. And even in these instances, and again, I don't want to teach my whole Bible class tonight, because the other piece of this right. is we cannot remove ourselves from it because without our truth, real justice cannot be mm-hmm. obtained. Because with no truth, there is no justice. Mm. And we've seen that in a lot of the marching and a lot of pursuit of uh, of 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 so-called civil rights and 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 uh, social justice is we have seen some movements lately that have been devoid of truth and what they have been pursuing Mm. has been less than what many would call just Um, it had been it has been self-defeating. In a lot of instances. So our voice is necessary in the pursuit of justice because we bring truth, the truth of God, the truth of scripture, 
eternal truth to the table mm. that you need in order to even define justice. Right, right. Right. So I think we would do ourselves a disservice if we do not ensure that as conversations and movements around justice are happening, that our truth isn't involved okay. in crafting the definition of justice as well yeah. as the pursuit of said justice. Because historically, the church and Holy Ghost empowered individuals are what allowed you know progress to be made man it's a pastor in chicago another pastor in chicago his name is charlie dates okay i suggest everybody <laughs> go and listen to charlie dates d-a-t-e-s his message from sunday okay talking about we have another breath we have another breath. Uh-oh. That Baptist boy told that message up so tough, man. It was amazing. I listened to it uh, twice today. Absolutely. I mean, just astounding. Astounding from start to finish. I was spellbound. It was amazing. Amazing. Like, it was technically amazing preaching. Yeah. Right? Like, I wish I could be that poetic in my preaching. It was astounding from start to finish. It's his his technical execution but just also him speaking to the poignancy and the necessity of the breath of god mm. in these movements because what happens and the oppression can take your breath away right right and what you can do without your breath when your breath becomes short he said but the reason why the movement has been able to go up until this point is because the people that were at the forefront it, of it had the breath of God. They had the Holy Spirit, right? Mm. So we, we, I, I don't think these movements will be able to last, right? If there aren't some Holy Spirit empowered folks, okay? As a part, but go, oh, you got to go listen to Charlie Dates. <laughs> I am not doing that man's message justice. <laughs> Lord, should have started with Charlie Dates. The man, way got it going. <laughs> it was just a beautifully executed message, but also with such depth of theology it was it was yeah i mean it okay. was amazing okay well and i don't fawn over preachers very often <laughs> yeah you guys have listened to this podcast for a year now and i don't fawn over messages very often but that charlie dates now he's always been a preacher of mine i yeah, got yeah, my yeah. set few preachers he's, that i listen on to. the list he's on the list charlie dates is a preacher like he's one of my preachers okay and i can give you a list of my preachers i got a few i don't have a lot of them uh -huh. but charlie dates is one of my preachers but that message this past Sunday, top notch, top notch. And it, you know, but I think, I think we do ourselves a disservice. We do our moral witness in this country a disservice. If we can remain silent, if we don't mobilize, if we remain immobile in the face of that kind of evil. Yeah. I, what would get us off the couch? Right. If right, that right. kind of evil wouldn't. Right, right. We just want to go back to the four walls of the church. Man, it would be a sad commentary. Okay. If you think Jesus could witness that kind of evil <laughs> and just not do anything about it, yeah, yeah I, I can't, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I think Christians should be involved. Right. Um, you know, whether it's protesting, whether it's marching, mm -hmm. you know, organizing, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it is our duty. It's mm -hmm. not just something that's okay to do 
Okay. It's it is our responsibility to pursue like pursue justice, not yeah. just be okay if it happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I feel like that's a good transition into like our uh spiritual takeaway. Because mm-hmm. I have a bonus question for you afterwards instead of just our normal off topic. I just got a bonus question for you. But uh, I don't know if you want to give us a spiritual takeaway because that was a pretty good landing on it with what you just were saying. You know? Yeah, I, you know, and I wasn't, you know, in the course of this conversation, yeah. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't we building to like, some. Yeah, we didn't lay in the book like some Sundays. I mean, some recording. You know, I wasn't building to some climax of a, you know, of a point because I, yeah. I, I, quite honestly, you know, unfortunately, as a preacher, sometimes you, you, I think we feel compelled to try to create some point mm-hmm. or draw some conclusion where there may not be one at the moment, <laughs> you know, but people are always waiting for right. us to summarize, to <laughs> put in a nice, neat package, what they're feeling or what they're seeing or what we're feeling and seeing. And, you know, uh, Sunday I did preach a message that I did have something poignant to say, but when you look yeah. at all of what's happening, you know, I, you know, I, I, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. So I, I, you know, I, I do believe that we have to be, uh, I do believe this and what we were closing with is we have to be involved with this pursuit of justice in order that truth be involved in the discussion. Because I think one of the things that has kept or backed the church off of the front lines of the social movement recently is because a lot of the other things that were attached to it. Yeah. So when you think social justice, you don't just think black people's oppression the last 10 years. Right. right. And because of our theological stance on a lot of things, it's like, ah, I've mentioned it on this podcast yeah. before. Like I couldn't, you don't hear me blasting black lives matter, even right. though I believe black lives matter, but the organization. Yeah. Black Lives Matter has a lot of things on their platform that I'm sorry I can't as you know with the beliefs that I have be promoting that particular organization right Right. but one of the things that I think is prescient and important in this moment is this has been boiled down to something that the church apps like all of that other stuff and a lot of the other things that were always getting attached to the movements yeah have been completely and utterly done away with. And this has been boiled down to a very straightforward pursuit of justice that I don't think that there is a single Christian, Mm -hmm. whatever your doctrinal beliefs cannot wholeheartedly get behind. And we need to take advantage of, Mm -hmm. of this moment and ensure that the truth of the moment and even black Christians, the, the, you know, that the truth of this moment, because as soon as this is what I do know, as soon as the heat gets turned down, a lot of those other interests will once again begin. Yeah. Backdoor on reengaging. As soon as the volume turns down the other interests, because the other interests, I think the, not that they aren't real, Mm -hmm. not that they aren't important, Mm -hmm. but relative to what black people actually have to endure it became like, wow, this is just a completely different yeah. situation, right? So I think we should use this moment to fully re-engage 
our moral witness and our pursuit of justice okay. in these days, whichever way. Okay. And, whatever, and, and that's why I said earlier that you're going to need protesters, you're going to need marchers, you're going to need organizers, you're going to need community organizers, you're going to need teachers, politicians. There isn't one single way. You just need to be actively involved in pursuing justice. Okay. I like it. All right. So real talk, you know, good conversation, just two two guys talking about what's going on in this world. One of them just happens to be a pastor and have a little bit more spiritual insight on these things. Yeah, man, and I reserve the right to be wrong. <laughs> right, right. So uh, that's actually exactly what my bonus question was. Okay. Let's go talk about. Uh, you mentioned this on Sunday when your whole message and topic was about repentance and uh that was the overriding theme of it, I should say. Mm-hmm. I should say it that way. Um, and you mentioned if God hasn't convicted you or corrected you and done something, uh, with a tad you had to move off of something, can you give an instance a story where something of that God has convicted you for that had you <laughs> Man, repent? I got so many. Okay. So many. Whether it was, I definitely have them with my wife and with my children. Okay. You know, okay. either a conversation or discussion and how I responded to my wife or mm-hmm. how I responded to my children. But the for, the I don't one. I have any of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, that's because you, your <laughs> wife don't get a Holy Ghost a minute. She already be making sure you know what's what. But uh, no, but one thing, one I always remember because it stands out in my journey and my ministry is I was very early in ministry. I might have been, uh, you know, this gosh, this could have been like. You know, 14 years ago now, I know it was before I was married and I've been married almost 12 years. So, Mm. you know, maybe 14, uh, 15 years ago now, uh, and I was teaching a Bible study and somebody raised their hand in Bible class and asked a question about, you know, what would you say to someone that didn't fast? Mm -hmm. And I never forget. I went off on this whole screed about sacrifice, and mm. you know we have to be willing to do so. And if that, I would, you know, and I gave this this answer about sacrifice and our willing to suffer, and it was very right in theory, and I felt very good about <laughs> my answer. Yeah, right. And I never forget. I went home, and it was like as clear as day, and it had to be the Holy Ghost because I felt so good about my answer. And mm-hmm. I had just body slammed that answer. Bam. And the Holy Ghost brought to my mind, like, did you, I know you heard the question, but did you see the person? Mm. And all of a sudden, the person that asked, the person that asked the question mm. came to me. And it devastated me because I was, I was right in my answer, but if I would have saw the person, uh-huh. I would have really heard what they were asking uh-huh. and who they were. And I was sick, man. Uh-huh. I didn't sleep for days. Okay. I didn't have the person. The, the, it was a woman. I never number or anything like that. So I just I wanted to get to her to apologize because <laughs> I felt so terrible because I had only heard the question. and I didn't see the uh-huh. person. And the Holy Ghost brought the person to me and said, mm. I know you heard the question, but did you see the person? Mm. And I think that was shifting my journey from being a teacher, preacher to a pastor because the person is always the issue, right? Mm. And being right isn't the issue. It's presenting uh-huh. information in a way that can bring the person from where they are to uh-huh. where they need to be as opposed to just 
being able to say you were that I was right. What I said was right. I always have to consider when I'm pastoring someone. Yeah. How to how to get them from where they are to where they need to be, not just how to say the right answer, right? <laughs> oh man, I was tore up. And it yeah. was the Holy Ghost because I my the answer I gave was right in my mind. Uh-huh. And now, I, I know you're saying like the Holy Ghost said you heard the question, but did you see the person? Like based on like the way you're set, sitting and lighting, did you actually not even physically see the person's no, face? No, the person, like this was at the old at the church. Moment. Okay, right. It right. was at the old church, so it they, wasn't were like they, they were. Club? No, they were. Fr- I, I remember it like it was yesterday. They were sitting. If, you, if for those for those that have been around LAM long enough to be at the quote unquote old church, yeah. you'll know Justin's reference to the club. That's the back <laughs> half of the sanctuary. Nope, they were sitting at the back of the front. Okay, okay. Portion of the sanctuary. All right. On the side where the sound booth was. Okay. I remember it like it was yesterday, and it wasn't like it was a million people at Bible class, <laughs> you know. And so it wasn't that I physically didn't see her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spiritually, I wasn't looking for her and yeah. her situation and her uh-huh. needs and what may have really been motivating okay. her question. Mm-hmm. Because as a pastor, I have to see why people are asking the questions that they're asking. People right. don't ask questions for no reason. <laughs> and when I when when she, when the Holy Spirit brought her to me. Without even talking to her, I could consider there were so many reasons why she would ask about somebody fasting. And when I finally got to her to apologize, okay. of course there was so much more context. And yeah. I, oh man, like I remember that, and that's one of many, <laughs> one of many. Yeah, yeah. Right, where, because, and you guys have heard me talk about it when I was a young preacher, I was just mean. <laughs> and it was mean in that. I was just so concerned with just the rightness of what I said. And there would be many times where God said, what you said was right, but it was not representative of my, of my heart. Mm. It was right in word, but it wasn't right in mm-hmm. my heart towards people. I'm not that mad at them. <laughs> Why are you that mad at them? I'm not that mad at them. I'm Despite them doing wrong. I'm not that mad at them. You misrepresent me when you're that angry. Right. Okay. Similar with Moses. Right, right. When God told him to speak to the rock, speak and he rock. smote the, the rock. rock. Yeah, he hit it. Like you, you, you. I know we're both going about trying to get water from this rock, but you're not representing me well. He told Moses, "You failed to sanctify me before the people, right? Because of you expressing your anger and frustration. Sure. And if you're going to be my man, if you're going to be God's man, and, and literally that was one of the things. And I'm still working on it because mm-hmm. if you guys hear my messages, you know I can. <laughs> veer into fussing and being frustrated and but that sensitivity to people mm-hmm. um like I, that was a uh a genuine turning point mm-hmm. in my ministry okay okay I, it, that was yesterday i know you heard the question but did you see the person <laughs> i still cringe <laughs> i still cringe thinking about how oblivious i was when I was doing that. Oh, man. I mean, Young and dumb. I appreciate you giving us that, though, as a, an example, because, like, you know, you, you you know, this part of this podcast is, you know, you get to be yourself and you mm-hmm. get to tell people these things that normally they don't get to hear or see you know, on Sundays and Tuesdays. And like we kind of talked about off record, you know, you're a pastor a lot of times, but you're also a person. Mm-hmm. And there is a uh void that you're always trying to shrink the gap in those and make them one and the same but you'll never completely Mm-mm. not be dorian no 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 
and that's just part of why we do this the way we do that. So I can appreciate you giving us that story because it's like, you know, I'm sure everybody loves to see a, you know, some human, you know, that human side of you not be so intimidating. Y'all, Doe is a good guy. You don't, don't have to be intimidated by No, it. not at all. And I, you know, because the gap will always remain between what I think mm-hmm. and what God wants me to do. Like, my, I still, like, I have a, a mind of my own. And it wants to say and do things that either yes. aren't appropriate for the moment. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, I think that's the thing that I was learning, right? Is I think by and large, when we talk about, you know, subjects and topics, I'm not talking about just my own personal passions, but when yeah. we talk about how I think about things, I think. At this point now, being almost 40 years old and, yep. you know, been in the ministry for quite some time now, like I'm pretty thoroughly convinced of God's way of thinking about things, right? Mm-hmm. Theoretically. But when a person is there, mm. what I think theoretically about God in the same when I'm actually talking to somebody about God. Does that make sense? Like when you talk about is this right or wrong and there's no right. person attached to it, I can just talk about that thing. But when it's right, a person right, right. sitting there, I'm not just talking about that thing. I'm talking about that person. And yeah. now all of a sudden I have to address the person, not what I think about this topic. You know what I mean? Right. So I and I I get that, but can you expand upon that just a little bit better? So one of the things that help people understand like this the difference between this podcast and me pastoring. I'm not pastoring on this podcast. I'm just saying right. what I think. Right, right. The same way, like, if you asked me, Justin, now, and again, I probably wouldn't answer it. I've been changed by that whole scenario. But if you asked me about fasting, I would talk yeah. about suffering and being willing to kill your flesh and die daily. And I would just be saying what I think. Right, right. But if a person mm-hmm. came to me, an individual came to me as their pastor and were at, was asking me to pastor them mm-hmm. and said, pastor, let's talk. Can you? What do you have to say about fasting? Right. Trust me, I'm not just going to go off on some screed about sacrifice. I'm going to ask them some questions mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk to them about what's going on with them. And I promise I'm going to believe God to give me what to say to them about their particular situation. Mm-hmm. I hope people aren't trying to be pastored by me via this podcast because right, right. I'm not pastoring. I'm just saying what I think <laughs> and what I think isn't the same as pastoring a person. Yeah. Right. Like that's why I say that moment was a turning point for me on my journey to pastoring because it showed me that you always have to see the person because the person is yeah. is sometimes they're not even we're so complex as people. We're not always right. sure why we're asking the question. Right. So so right. I, that digging deep on that understanding and believing God gives me insight into even why some people do things and they don't even know it. Right. I, I That's what I mean. Like what I would say about fasting on this podcast isn't necessarily what I would say to a parishioner or a member or a congregant or somebody God called me to pastor. Those two aren't the same thing. Mm. And that's really what this podcast gives me freedom to just say what I think, because I don't get to say what I think when I pastor. Mm. I don't I don't I don't. That's not part of the challenge. <laughs> what I think doesn't matter when I'm pastoring. 
Mm-hmm. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Now I won't, I don't believe it and it would never be my intent to misrepresent God and say ungodly things on this podcast. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but like I said, for the most part, my, I have been thoroughly convinced of the rightness of God's way of doing and thinking about things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not like what I think. So it may appear as if I'm pastoring because a lot of things I say, you know, it's start like, to fall in line with because you know. I do. Like I said, if you if we would have done done this podcast when I was in my mid early to mid twenties, it would have been a different story, <laughs> right? Because I had a whole lot of other things that I think. But I'm being brought under subjection. I'm being sanctified, and I'm being you know mm-hmm. uh, 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 made holy day by day, every right. day. Hopefully, being made better. I know. Yeah. I'm. It's guaranteed in a few years. I'm gonna listen to some of these podcasts and go. <laughs> the same way I do yeah. listen to some of my messages yeah. because I'm going to keep progressing and developing right, right, right. right but one of the main things is when I'm pastoring it has zero to do with what I think and everything to do with what that what the sheep what the flock yes. needs in that moment and how to get them to the place that they should be so I mean maybe that's just kind of an off Point. And I think that's probably a good yeah. conversation for us to have, you know, how to listen, because there's this podcast is one thing. There's when I'm preaching. That's another thing. There's when I'm counseling. There's another thing. Right. And right. knowing how to listen right. in each one of those scenarios, I think, is really uh, important for people. Well, that's what we call a teaser, folks. We'll see you next week. Tune in. <laughs> I don't know. Does that sound um, like an interesting subject? I got a few questions and follow up that we could probably start a whole with. Like you just opened up a whole can yeah. of worms that I'm yeah. digging into. Yeah, you gotta. You can't listen on. to me the same. There's yeah. only if if I'm at the house and we just you know sitting around the kitchen table. Uh, you can listen to me away, one way. Don't, okay. don't give it all yeah. away. I, you just, I just uh, you gotta you. know how to listen to <laughs> to the to the man of God. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you that's one of the one reasons why a lot of pastors just get in one character and they just stay there. Mm. Because you know, a lot, most people don't have the ability to change their listening, you yeah. know, and their yeah. engagement with you. And I'm and I'm and I'm I don't want to say I, I'm one character, but I am very careful about what side of me mm-hmm. like I stopped competing at church. Okay. Like we used to when we were in the school, we used to have a gym. You mm-hmm. know, we used to play games, okay. baseball, softball, musical chairs, Jeopardy. Uh-huh. I'm very intense when I compete. Like I'm I have a on and off. Either I'm chilling or I'm like <laughs> I will like. I don't even want to tell you right. what I do to win. I'll do anything <laughs> to win. Right, right. And people that know me, my coworkers, they'll tell you like we. And it's it it just turns into this insanity. Like we were doing a steps challenge. Okay. At work now, I'm the least in shape person on my whole team. Okay. But because it was a competition, I put my whole life on hold to beat everybody in steps. Like <laughs> I walk to and from work, and I'm talking like I was I was walking. It was insane. I would wake up in the middle of the night and walk. It was just because I had to win. I would spend the entire eight hours while I was at the office walking around the office. Like it was just whatever I got to do to win. And some people were like, oh my gosh, she's turned crazy. And I told them before, I said, you guys, you're not going to win 
If I have to run for 24 hours a day, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. And it, people would be talking junk and people would be so shocked when they saw the pastor. So I'm like, you know what? I can't play sports around everybody. I can't watch sports around everybody. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. you know, cause you, Oh, it brings out that other side of, you us. know, but even like doing this podcast, I know it's a risk, right? It's a risk. I understand because I'm, I'm talking to my boy on top of that. Now, if I was talking to a stranger that yeah. only had a pastor, right. you know, congregant relationship, I might be able to stay in pastor mode a little bit, right? you know, more, but this is my God. And I was the, that was kind of, you know, that was the intent of the podcast, right? But right. hopefully we can show people, you shouldn't be listening to me the mm-hmm. same. And I say it all the time. I can't pastor you from the pulpit. You're not getting pastored if the only thing you're hearing me say saying is when I'm preaching either. Mm. I can't. I'm not pastoring in the from the pulpit. I can't pastor from the pulpit. Is that a fact? Oh, oh I can't pastor you. I could do shepherd things. Yeah, but there are certain things that an individual must come to me to get. Yeah. And I promise you, I tell people all the time. However good you think my preaching may be. If you think it's good, if you come to me and we talk, I promise you, whatever level of revelation, whatever insight into the word I get in the pulpit pales in comparison to insight into the word and revelation God gives me in actual conversation with people about their specific situations. You have not seen even the half Mm. if you don't come talk to me personally. If you and again, if you think my preaching is subpar, you come talk to me and I'll at least be an adequate <laughs> interpreter of scripture. You yeah. know, because I, I promise you, I, if I'm a pastor, that's what God has given me to do, and it's yeah. like activated when somebody sits in front of me and say, "Pastor, I need mm. different animal." Mm. Let alone if you're going now. Now, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to a congregation. That's a that's the flock. So now these people, I I am pastoring this group. So now uh-huh. God gives me things to say to the group. Right. So it is relevant and impactful. But guess what? When we're when I'm there's nobody here. <laughs> when we so so you there, I'm, when somebody's in front of me, an individual, when my congregation is in front of me, you can't compare that now. Now there when we're doing this podcast, right. there isn't anybody. I'm not talking to anybody. It is an empty room in here, folks. It's just Justin and I. It ain't even a picture on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's such a guy's room. Like, my wife hates it. Uh, my wife hates it. She keeps threatening to decorate it for me because I, I, I'm a utilitarian. I Give me my desk, my computer, a place to write and sit. I got a chair I could take a nap in, somewhere to hang my coat like that. I That's bookshelf. I need utility. Right, bookshelf. <laughs> I just need things that I can use. But, you know, there's nobody in here. Right, right. That's why I, that, that's why I, said I hope nobody is trying to get... If you're trying to get pastored by me just through the pulpit, that's one thing. But if somebody is trying to actually get pastored over this podcast, O-M-G. <laughs> I'm not talking... I'm not... Because I'm not talking to anybody. 
Th- that's why it was. That's why it was, in, and that came to my mind when you asked me about the time the Holy Ghost. Yeah, because it was like there was a person in front of you and you didn't see them. Right, right, right. And there's nobody in front of me. This is Justin now. This is Justin asking me questions for the sake of conversation. <laughs> right, right. Not even attached to a person that I I would hope nobody is like trying to get pastored. I hope you're getting information, either information about a subject. Like that's what I'm hoping to provide here. Mm-hmm. Information about a subject, a perspective. And because I'm not talking to a person, even if you're a member of this congregation, I wouldn't take what I say as authoritative in your life. Mm. Okay. Because okay. I'm, I'm, that's not the tone in which I'm trying to speak. I'm not trying to speak in an authoritative manner. This is my thoughts on the subject. We said it at the very beginning, right? This, yeah. You know, this isn't declarations. This is, you know. Right. Musings, if you will. This is just my thoughts on things. If I wanted to have something authoritative, authoritative to say, it, even when I talked about justice, would have been completely different. Mm. Right. And, um, but, yeah, I, again, I think we could spend some time on that, how to listen. Because I'm not saying disregard what I say. Yeah. But it's a perspective. It's information. Oh, right. That's just like reading the Bible, right? You got to know what you're reading and what you're who reading. you're talking yeah, to in the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. I on. think that's an important thing. So, yeah. I sorry, think I we went off on a, that, but I know you're, like you're giving away the whole I'm sorry. Once I started thinking about I hadn't really thought I that heavily about mic, it. Y'all. I hadn't thought that heavily about it that, you yeah. know, people, how people might be listening to me right now. Yeah, yeah. That they might not be able to turn it off and on. Because when I'm preaching, when you come to hear me preach on Sunday, well, Bishop is preaching this Sunday, but okay. the next time you come to hear me preach, now I want you to, I don't want you to listen to me like you listen to me on this podcast. I want you to now do what I say, not children. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I, I want you to listen a certain way. And if we came and sat down one on one, or if I was sitting with you and your spouse, I hope you would listen mm-hmm. a different kind of way. And there's people that I'm sure listen to this that can attest to having sat in counsel with me. And if they would tell you, yeah, that's a different, that's an even different conversation and mm-hmm. that there is an even different kind of insight mm. that pastor cast, pastor doe, pastor Dorian, whichever one you call me or doe, you know, would have right. for you and you're missing out. I, and I don't brag on myself very often, but you're missing out. If you don't come sit down and talk to me, I'm, I'm I, if you're a member of LAM, Mm. And you don't come sit down and talk to me. You, you, you're you're missing out. Get it on the books, fellas. Ladies, missing out. Call Sister Kim. I still do com. I do counseling over Zoom. Yeah, get that counseling in. COVID ain't stopped nothing. I got a couple of folks. I got a call back. Matter of fact, I just thought about it. <laughs> there you go. Put it in that reminder. Tell, hey Siri. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Oh man, but though I'm gonna stop you because you gonna keep going, and I'm saving this for next okay. week. We okay. go, we go pick this up okay. next week, and it's gonna be a whole conversation around kind of what you were just leading on. So, Got it. and uh, folks, we go give them a little bit of time to prep for it. It's gonna be good. We've had fun. We'll see you next week. Dope. Awesome. Appreciate you. Bro. Bro.